welcome to Canny Cross Conversations with me, Michelle. And me, Louise, talking all things dogs, running and canny sports. This episode is sponsored by the Get Stronger Run a Faster 5K course. It's great for canny crossers and runners to improve their 5K time and keep up with their dogs. So this week on the podcast, we chat to Lucy Hearn from Feel Fit with Lucy, and it's all about mastering our mindset. And it was fascinating, wasn't it, Michelle? It, it really was. Um, we've all been in those situations during a run or during a race. I know I have where we've just thought, I can't do this anymore. It feels really hard and we've sabotaged ourselves and we all suffer those moments of self-doubt. So we had a chat with Lucy, who specialises in mindset about how we how we overcome those moments. And it, the, the advice was surprising, really, wasn't it? Yeah. And actually, in some ways, it should kind of be easier running with the dog. Um, but we still have those moments. I know I do in the middle of a race. I still have these moments. Um, but chatting to your dog's quite good. And the, my best, I think the best thing was focusing on the dog and trying to run with them which I know it depends how fast your dog's going, but I thought that was actually a really good thing to just break it. She was, she was talking a lot about breaking yourself out of that, that situation you, that's going on in your head, that voice that's going on in your head. Um, so I thought it was, I thought it was fascinating actually. Yeah. We, we give ourselves a lot of negative self-talk. So um, today's episode is about how we can be kinder to ourselves and be more prepared going into training and racing. So we, we hope you enjoy the episode. Have a listen and let us know what you think. Welcome to this week's Canny Cross Conversation. And this week we have Lucy from Feel Fit with Lucy, who is a triathlete, a triathlon and run coach. And we're going to talk about mastering your mindset. So Lucy, welcome. And please do tell us more about you. Hello. Um, so I'm Lucy. I'm a um, personal trainer and triathlon coach. Um, I've been doing that for about the last 10 years. I work mostly with triathletes and runners, but also kind of more generally in the endurance world. Um, and in the last few years, I've trained as a mental health and exercise coach because I was starting to realize I could write the best plans in the world for my clients, but it kind of doesn't matter how good the plan is if their head wasn't letting them get the most out of it. So whether that's getting the most out of it or whether in lots of cases it's actually that their head was blocking them from doing the training or get or stopping them getting what they could do out of a race, um, all different things, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a lot more detail. So, so by combining that kind of mindset side of things partly because and this is the reason I got into training in the first place exercise is so important for our mental health so being able to really maximize those positive results of our training but also as I say to stop the head getting in the way and actually get the most out of our training and the best benefits for our mental health as well it's um I think it's going to be fascinating this because I think and and it's really interesting because you teach a range of uh, people don't you sort of from elites to I don't I don't work with elites at all. My I work with the kind of the mass market, I would say, you know, I'll have some people in the triathlon world, you do age groups, so you can qualify to um, compete for GB. 
Um, so I have some people at that level, but I, you know, do couch to 5k through to everything in between in my personal training. Most of what I do is strength and conditioning to support a runner's body for running or for triathlon. Um, but I have some standard, you know, your standard PT clients as well. So I work across all different ranges. I would say I specialize in coaching um, and working with women, particularly working with um, female physiology, female female hormones, re- making sure that I recognize the impact that they can have in your training, particularly in your training plan and in my coaching. Um, but yeah, I work with I work with the kind of mass audience, definitely not at the elite end. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We so I I I think this is really interesting, and I, I because I suffer with this quite a lot. My mindset, I think, especially when I'm going out for a run. But what what are the main things that people? What stops most people? What are the main things that you find? Oh, so many. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is everybody thinks they're the one that's got the problem. Like you just said, oh, I think I have this issue. Everybody has it. Everybody has it. And for so many different reasons, you know, our social conditioning, our brain, that you know, evolved from when we lived in caves and we needed our brain to kind of protect us from things. But now we're trying to get so much more out of life rather than just living this cave kind of existence. So so everybody has these issues. I'd say common ones, most common ones, probably self-doubt. Self-doubt, which can be, you know, comes in and that everybody else is better than me. Everybody else can do this better than me. I imagine in the Canicross world, everybody's dog is better behaved than me um, or everybody else is thinner or fitter or, you know, all of that kind of thing. The the comparisons and the self-doubt, I'm not good enough, particularly if we're talking in terms of racing, the barriers that we put in front of ourselves saying, I can't do this, I won't be able to do this. And making it so much bigger than what it is, worrying about it so much bigger than it actually deserves to be. Um... So, so yeah, that kind of self-doubt and the self-comparisons, but it can be the sort of catastrophization. So one little thing goes wrong, but that turns into, oh my God, everything's wrong. It's all, it's all going to go wrong or whatever, um, would be kind of the most common things. And the pressure, the pressure that we put on ourselves, um, to say that, you know, we have to be the best. We have to be, you know, the perfectionist kind of mindset that everything has to be done perfectly, which it just can't be. So we feel like we're letting ourselves down constantly. We're letting people around us down constantly rather than just being able to enjoy what we're doing for what it is. Um, yeah, those would be some of the common things that I see. Yeah, well, I'm I'm nodding along to quite a lot of that. Um <laughs> But, I like mean, that say, mindset but... often stops me racing, to be honest. I know Louise is desperate to get me to go and try a canny cross race. Um, yeah. And I mean, of... I've got so many clients and I'd say it is more common with females, definitely not universally, but more common with females. You know, oh, I, I can't be that kind of person. I'm not a runner or I'm not a canny cross runner or I'm not good enough or they're going to have all this kit that I don't have or anything. And when you break it down and just say, <clears throat> what's the worst that can happen? Like, what are you actually worried about? And I'll sometimes get my clients to say it and they're like, well, I can't, they kind of go, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, just say it out loud. And they go, no, 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 I can't. And it's because it sounds so silly when you start to say it out loud. You go, well, what is the worst that can happen? And you just realize absolutely, you know, it really isn't that bad, but it's, we let our brain get kind of carried away and it makes it into this enormous thing. And I mean, the thing that we, that we all tend to do wrong is we don't actually realize what we're thinking. So 
if I said to you, Michelle, you know, what are you worried about? And you start to spell it out, you'd probably realise it's the first time you've actually thought about what is it you're worried about and actually spelled it out to yourself. And as soon as you do that, you go, actually, in the cold light of day, it's really not that bad. But you never let yourself get that far. You stopped at the point of, oh, that sounds scary. And I'm going to keep it in that drawer over there, in that drawer that I don't dare go in because it's a scary thing that I don't want to think about. And it's only when you take it out the drawer and sort of show it the daylight that you realise, actually, not always, sometimes there are bad things in that drawer, but, you know, it's not as bad as you thought it would be. And is that mainly with people? Because, Michelle, you have raced. I'm not with your dog, but... You, yeah, you... I've I've done races on my own, but I've also been in a situation, I've done well at races, I've achieved PBs that I've wanted to, but I've been in a situation at races where I've known it's not going my way and I've completely self-sabotaged myself and started to walk and thought, no, it's not going to happen. And then you get to the end and you think, actually, had I just carried on, I'd have, I'd have done what I set out to do. And yeah, the, the mind can really play a lot of nasty tricks on us, can't it? Yeah, and I do so much work with with um, the the people that I'm working with in the run up to a race. You know, we, we go through their nutrition plan, we go through their kit plan, we go through all of those different things. But a massive part of preparing for a race is mindset and making sure, first of all, that they're being honest about what their expect- expectations of the race are. Because often people say, oh, I don't mind where I come. And you're like, I bet you do. And then they're disappointed <laughs> yep. because they weren't being honest with themselves and they weren't being honest with me either. So I couldn't help them work on that. But so first of all, it's their expectations. Um, if they've got worries around it, like such a common thing is just race day nerves. And then especially if it's a longer race where nutrition becomes more important, if your stomach's churning, then you start to feel sick, then you're, you know, you're not getting in your nutrition for the race and that can have its own impact as well as just be miserable feeling that nervous. So we work on some really simple techniques of how to calm yourself down at the beginning of the race and in the race, but it's normally that beginning. But then we'll do some kind of scenario planning of what might go wrong in the race. And that might be whether it's going wrong in your own head, you suddenly just decide this is too hard or the person who you convinced you were going to um, beat overtakes you or you know whatever and how you're going to deal with that so you don't get exactly like you said you kind of get to this point and you just kind of give up and you get to the end and go well why did I do that I spent all this time preparing for this race I've done the race and often you know what you don't think through you think oh this awful thing's happened and in my world you know triathletes they could get a flat or something and that takes a lot of time to change change the tire and everything but what you don't know is what everybody else is going through as well you always do this everybody else is having a better day than me but actually maybe they've had a flat or maybe they you know this thing and so it all comes out in the end so working through what might go wrong but how can you work with that positive mindset to keep yourself going rather than getting to that point where you start catastrophizing and you all you can see is the worst case scenario and all you can see is well I may as well give up now it's been able to the, the the basic kind of and it depends what the issue is but for anything where our mind is getting the better of us the basic thing is to first of all realize it which sounds really easy to do now in the cold light of day but when you're so wrapped up in it and you're just like well I may as well just give up now throw your shoes down and just you know whatever so to realize that you're going into to that kind of negative or less helpful mindset and then to actually just say it out loud even if you're on the course you know say it out loud and say what is it I'm actually upset about here not that initial reaction but go deeper what what am I actually worried about and then you can start to respond with this more rational voice rather than your more emotional brain and start to break it down exactly like and, and often what I'll say to my clients is imagine it was your friend saying this to you so imagine it was your friend you know throwing their toys out the pram going I've just had enough I don't want to do it anymore what would you say to them and speak to them with that kind compassionate voice rather than that oh for god's sake you're being an idiot like we might talk to ourselves 
um, and talk to yourself as if you would talk to your best friend and say what you would say to them. And then you start hearing that more kind of compassionate, but also more rational voice that hopefully talks you back into carrying on with the racing or getting the most out of it, getting the most out of the situation that you are in. It's, it is. I mean, I don't know about you, but I go through it in the middle of a race and we only do canny crossing. We only do 5K. Um, I mean, when we say that there are people out there and, and some of our listeners will be running longer races and there's some ultra ones going. But I never think I can do a, an ultra because I don't think my mind will let me, um, let alone my body. But that's another thing. I could make my body do it. That's That's fine. I know that. But my mind. And sometimes when I'm even doing the 5K, I have that chat with myself going round the course. But the thing that keeps me going is my dog because she's not having those <laughs> those chats. So she's pulling me along. So you think, oh, sod it, I've just got to get back into it, haven't I? But I, I find it, I find it frightening how how the impact of a, of the mindset is. Yeah. And you're right in ultra racing, you know, I I started doing ultra cycle racing a few years ago. And I remember sort of having a conversation with a friend when I was first getting into it. And I, you know, saying, oh, I'm worried about my fitness. I'm worried about bivying, you know, sleeping out overnight. And he was like, the biggest thing you need to work on is mindset. So long as you've got a general level of fitness, the thing that will make the difference in any race, really, because, you know, you say, oh, I only do 5k, but 5k, you go faster than you do in an ultra. So you can hurt just as just as much. But yeah, it's going to be over sooner. Um, But it, it is that mindset. Mindset, but in exactly the same way as we train our legs, we train any of my clients train their stomach, you know, to make sure they can take on enough calories for the race that they're doing. We train our cardiovascular system. You train your mind in the same way. And you might have heard the term neuroplasticity, the idea that your brain can adapt. The more that we ask it to do something, the more it kind of becomes able to do that task, which is basically just the act of learning. But we can learn to have that more positive mindset. So if we always go down that negative path, if we always get to that point of going, oh, it just feels too hard, I want to give up now, and all that's keeping me going is the dog, then yeah, kind of all the all that is keeping you going is the dog. Whereas if you can get yourself, catch yourself as you're getting to that point of, I just want to give up now, that's that first point, that acknowledgement, yeah. and then start to have those other thoughts, which are much easier to prepare in advance rather than in the heat of the race. How can I deal with this? And sometimes it'll be things like having a sort of positive mantra. I can do this. I want to do this. I I am, you know, I'm visualizing that finish line rather than focusing on the, oh my God, every single step hurts. I want this to be over. (laughs) Focusing on how great you feel at the end, what your goal is towards doing it. But you can also have some really simple grounding practices. So again, rather than being wrapped up in that, oh my God, oh my God, I just want this to be over. Just count your footsteps or count. I mean, I always talk to my runners about, imagine you're attached to the runner in front and you just have to stay in step with them. You've got that. You are attached to your dog. So yeah, but rather than it kind of being, I I don't have my own free will, the dog is pulling me along. For you to say, I'm choosing to be here. I'm deliberately, I want to be moving with my dog. I want to carry on running so that you start to kind of put that power back into your Yourself, but some really simple techniques so that, as I say, you move away from all the negative thoughts. You've got the mantras, you've got the grounding, you've got the counting one footstep. Um, and, and that sort of just focusing. I, I do an exercise, which I don't know. Do you, I don't, I apologize. I don't know much about Kenny Cross. Do you have them on the lead or do you, do you have them around your waist? 
you have them <laughs> yes you have them they call them waist belts but it's like a harness so it's like something you sit into so it's pulling from your pelvis basically okay but perfect so you're keeping keeping your neutral pelvis engaged which is another of my things i mean walking walking through your body in terms of technique is a really good one because it means you don't get kind of messy with your technique but it also just keeps you grounded in what you're doing so just kind of walking through the body from head to toe in terms of your technique and and feeling those glutes engage as that harness pulls you to forwards um, but also I do an exercise called five fingers of gratitude. And if you've got both hands free, go for, go for 10 fingers. So when things are getting hard, I'll say, why am I happy I'm here? And it, again, takes you away from that negative headspace you might be in, but it also helps you to realise all the brilliant things that you're doing, that you you enjoy about it. And then that means, so for you, Michelle, if you're thinking, oh God, I don't want to do that race, you, rather than going to the, I hate that beginning where everybody looks like they're better than me and everybody else, you know, looks like they've got it sorted. You can think, what are those 10 things I came up with? Or maybe just five that I can remember, but the five things I really love about doing this. So we're not just fixing on the one negative thing that's the overwhelming vision we've got of what it's going to be like. We've actually got a whole list of these other things that we know we do love about it. Otherwise we wouldn't be doing it, but we just have to help ourselves remember them. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try that. I, it's something I've never really given much thought to about preparing the mind for it, but actually it's it's just like anything else, isn't it? So you have just to try you don't have to train it, but it's a hell of a lot easier if yeah. you train it. You don't have to train your running, but if you do the training and just think, you know, we our mind is the lens through what we're seeing, everything. It determines everything. How how much your legs feel like they're hurting or not, that's all coming through your mind. So having some just really simple techniques to work with your mind so you're getting the most, either you're getting the most out of it or you're just enjoying it the most and kind of taking away that negative side. You know, the, the, the phrase glass half empty, glass half full is true. We can choose to see the world. It's exactly the same world, but we can choose to see it in that negative way, or we can choose to see it in a more positive way. We are pre-programmed to see it in a more negative way. Our, our cave brain is protecting us. Our cave brain just wants to stop any risk happening. It wants to protect us from anything going wrong. So it's always going to see the risk, but we have more than a cave brain now. You know, we're, we're more evolved than that. And we, we are designed to flourish, to get the most out of life, but we have to for most of us, we have to train our brain to be able to see that more positive side. It's there. It's something like if you're given some negative feedback, you would need, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but something like you need 13 positive bits of feedback to replace, to, to overcome one negative feedback. You know, that's how negatively pre-programmed we are. So we do have to work on this to start to see the positive. And when you first start doing it, you feel a little bit like, yeah, it feels a bit silly. You feel like, oh, I'm just kind of lying to myself. I'm doing all this kind of false positive. It's not about lying to yourself. It's just about opening up that lens to see a more positive view of what's going on. So, could, could, sure. sorry, could you give us an example of the sort of things that you would kind of say if you did start to spiral into a negative thought, like what? Yeah, what give, give me give me an example of the of the context, and then it's probably easier to work it through. So, um, so say I'm doing a, a 10k race, and yeah. I get to around that seven eight k mark, and I start yeah. to think, oh my god, this is like horrendous. I need to walk. I need to walk. Yeah. How would we get through that? Yeah. So, so lots of different ones. And, and the main thing is you need to practice it in training, same as anything else. You can't just say, oh, here's this list that Lucy said, I'll put it into action when I get to 8K in my race. Practice it in training when you're doing harder runs or whatever, so that you're used to them, so that they're second nature to you. So you, as I say, that neuroplasticity, so you've built that kind of path in your mind to be able to more easily go down that path. Um, but some things you could work on, 
number one, know your goals. So why why are you actually there in the first place? Why have you decided this is important to you? And it doesn't have to be because I want to win or whatever. It could be because this is, you know, doing this helps keep me fit and healthy. I want to be active, you know, whatever. So it doesn't have to be about winning, but know why you're there. So that when you get to that point of saying, I just want to give up now, you remember why, why you want to be there. Um, but then it's some of those ideas of the grounding I was talking about. So, so rather than just the voice just saying over and over again, this hurts, this hurts, this is horrible, I want it to end, trying to get to a point, acknowledge it. It's not that it's it's not that you're going to tell it it's not true, but you're going to move on from there. So it could be that visualizing the finish line. It could be the um, mantras. So what, find something that works for you. Mine is just really simple. It's I can do this. Um, one of my clients um, was I am a runner because you can often feel in those moments that you're not. But, you know, I am a runner. This is what I'm doing. Um, it could be. um some, some of my clients have a song, you know, just something positive, a, a song that they'll sing to themselves and they literally are, you know, running along singing these songs to themselves. Um, but then it can be those ideas of grounding. So whether it's visualizing yourself, as I say, maybe being attached to the dog doesn't work quite so well because because they you are attached to them. That's not a mental connection. That's true. <laughs> but, you know, that, that runner in front of you, I'm going to keep in step with them. I'm going to keep going with them and just literally mentally attach yourself. Imagine there's another bit of rope from you to them that you kind of stay in contact with. Um, breathing. Well, I, sorry. Oh, I'm I, sorry. No, I was going to say actually being attached to your dog does actually help. Because, and I love that idea of counting or just sort of looking at the way she's moving. I think yeah. I think that will help me. Yeah, and you could, you're right. Times. So even though you are physically attached, you yeah. also just become in step with her. So yeah, 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 you are keeping in step with, I've no idea what the dog's cadence is compared with yours. So yeah. fast you're going. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah, focusing on your breathing. So just rather than your breathing getting all panicky, just kind of staying calm with your breathing. Um and then I had another one that I've completely forgotten. Um, but you, you can have really simple things in terms of grounding as well. So when things get really hard, just focusing on something, one of your senses. So if you if you have water with you, you know, drinking that water, but rather than just like <gasps> glugging down the water, kind of focus on the feeling of that water going through your body or whatever. So you're just taking yourself away from that night mindset you've got stuck into of, oh, this is so hard. And yeah, the one that I come back to, which, you know, served me in many a hard race is literally just counting you know, up to 10, up to 20, however much, whatever your brain is, or just left, right, left, right. You just keep taking those footsteps. I find, I find, and, and just recently we did a, I did a couple of weeks ago, I did a race um, with, uh, I had been ill. So I hadn't, I hadn't run for a couple of, well, about 12 days. So that was in the back of my mind. My main competition, because I, yeah, I'm quite competitive, are out injured. So I knew that this was my season to have a really good chance but I felt crap and that was in my head. And so I went to the race thinking, oh, I'll just do it and see what I feel like. Then we got to the start and it was icy and it was downhill. And I'm, and I marked up my starts. I did all right in the end, but in the end I was thinking I needed when I look back on it to put my big girl pants on and just go for it. But I didn't think I was, so I need to get my head in the right place at the start because I didn't think that at the time. I thought, oh, I'll just take it easy. I don't need to. 
you know. But maybe that's right because, you know, I'm, I'm a massive uh, fan's not the right word, but, you know, after somebody's been ill, you do need to listen to your body and you don't want to push too hard. So you could say from the other side of it, if you'd gone into it going, this is my day, I have to absolutely go for it, I'm going to win this race and you stop listening to the signs from your body. You know, sometimes I talk about your mindset overcoming the pain from your body and everything, but sometimes you do need to listen to your body and know yeah, yeah. that this isn't your day. So I wouldn't beat yourself up about it, but but going in it maybe with a bit of more of a game plan of I'll give it the first kilometre or so to see how I feel. And if I'm not feeling great, then I'm, I, you know, there's no point in pushing it. Yeah. But if I am feeling great, then what's my strategy? How am I going to make sure that I, you know, and, and often people go too fast at the beginning of a race anyway. So being able to go a bit calmer at the beginning but then having your right this is where I come and sweep the field no <laughs> not well, not when you're attached to a dog it's the other way around it's right. very fast to start with. yeah so yeah so the importance of a warm-up is really important and, and can that affects your mindset if you've not done your but well, in my case it does yep. if I've not done my proper warm-up um you know I I feel that and and I suppose that's another thing that holds me back in um in a start because I'll send you a video, Lucy, but it is quite fast to start with. <laughs> yeah. But are you saying that if, if you haven't had a chance to do a mind a, a warm-up, then that messes with your mind or yeah. yeah. Because I know that I know that it's going to be harder yeah. before I even started. I know it's going to be harder because it takes me a while to sort of yeah, with my advanced age, it takes me a while to get going. But that that comes into that plan. I mean, a planning to make sure you've got there on time to do a warm up. But you know, things happen, yeah. and so you can't. But coming into that visualization, what are all the things that might go wrong on race day, and how you're going to deal with it? Because if you just turn up and you go, oh, I didn't have time for a warm up. You know, I spent the massive queue for the toilet. I didn't get to do my warm up. My race is over. You you will kind of end up. You know, it becomes a self fulfilling thing. Whereas if you say, okay, so these are all the things that might go wrong. I might not get to do a warm up. How am I going to deal with that mentally? Um, I'm, it's going to feel harder at the beginning, but I will warm up within the context of the race. But if I've given up from the first go, then yeah, yeah it's not going to work for me. To be fair, and I don't know about you, Michelle, when you actually get to start a race, and, and you, Lucy, as well. But actually, when I get, I think the nerves get you going, don't they? And the the, the start is always is always better than I think it's going to be. Completely. Yeah. yeah. It's always worse that bit waiting at the beginning. Another but another tip, especially I guess if you're doing 5K, it doesn't matter so much. But people who are doing longer races, as I say, if your stomach's churning, then your nutrition doesn't work for you. Okay. And that's a big issue. Yeah. So so being able to reframe. So a few tools you said um, you know, the warm-up. Within that warm-up, just going from scan the horizon when when we're in a nervous frame our brain and you'll realize it when you're in that kind of fight or flight which which you will be at the beginning of the race because your nerves are up you'll have very very focused vision on one place and if you start just scanning around the horizon moving your head around you start to come out of that sort of fight or flight and start to go into a more relaxed state it's sending that signal to your body ditto breathing when we breathe out nice slow breaths out that's sending that signal to our body to relax and calm down so just doing some simple breathing again the hardest bit is to realize you're going into that panicky bit and then not to feel silly doing some breathing but nobody else needs to know what's going on so just as part of your warm-up when you're doing your warm-up do some nice gentle breathing to relax yourself but you can also just start to reframe the sort of nerves as excitement if you think of a kid the day before christmas their stomach's doing you know somersaults they're all excited but they're excited they're not nervous it's the same feeling it's just that we've turned it in our head into this negative thing so being able to say okay no this is this is good 
good. I'm excited. You know, I'm sure the dogs are all getting excited as well. There's that energy. There's that. that excitement. <laughs> <laughs> we really need to see a start of a kind of yeah. <laughs> so 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 changing it into this is positive. This is exciting. I'm about to go and do a race. This is what I enjoy doing. Completely changes how you experience it. it feels the same, but you experience it in a much more positive way. Yeah. I think I need to, I think what I need to do, because because the other thing, again, um, and Michelle won't know this because she's not done a race yet in Canicross. <laughs> so I've got to get it in there, any episode. Any episode. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm waiting for an update after this one, Michelle. I want to yeah. hear about your first race. <laughs> yeah, no, but but you have to get your dog sorted as well. So I, I think I probably need to plan my bit before the race a lot better than I already do. And I... And it's interesting when you watch other people, what they do, um, because you've got to get the dog sorted as well. But you know you've got to do that. So as I say, when I'm preparing my clients for a race, and fair enough, we haven't got dogs, but we've got bikes or whatever, that know what you need to do because you only you think, oh, I haven't got time to do it. But you, it's only getting there a bit more, get, getting there a bit earlier, but probably just being more organised, having a set process of what you need to do, which helps to keep you calm because you're not doing this like running around. You know, for, for yeah. triathlon, we have to rack everything at the beginning of a race and you see people running around, whereas I've got a very, I know what I need to do. It's almost like mental tick, 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 tick. And that's partly getting what I need to get done, done. But it's also each time I tick it off, I just feel that little bit calmer that I've got what I need to get done. Yeah. So probably just having a very simple process, not something that then stresses you out more or that if you don't have time to do you feel like it's game over and on that process I would have breathe look around relax just to remind yourself just to calm down a little bit if that's an issue for you yeah no it's and it's it's little things that you kind of forget about and it's I don't know about you but we don't get the race numbers until we get to the event so, and so you're pinning it on and you've got all your layers on and you're trying to get yeah. it yeah race yeah. rate a triathlon race or a run race belt so you can just put it on rather than having to pin it on saves saves effort but but yes no and with especially at this time of year with cold fingers that is that is an issue yeah so but I've kind of learned that yeah so it's in, it is interesting the more you do the more you get a routine don't you so yeah yeah so yeah. you're doing that mindset and uh yeah and I often talk to the dog as I'm going around not just giving her commands it's like yeah. you know um so yeah perhaps that's my outlet but it's it is fascinating but when I'm running by myself without the dog that's mm. the hardest I find and that's what I was going to say so is that kind of the idea of oh god I've got to go out is it getting out the door that's the issue or while you're out or both it's easier to get out the dog with the dog door with the dog yeah they need exercise and we know that yeah. But again, yeah. you're you're sort of using the dog's willpower or the dog's pull over you to do it. Whereas, I mean, what, what I talk to a lot of my clients about people, especially at this time of year, you know, it's January, everybody's got all their New Year's resolutions and everything. But rather than using just willpower and it being this battle between you and, you know, your mind to get out the door, making it easier on yourself. And we can spend so much time, especially because, you know, sometimes it is a bit unappealing at this time of year to kind of dreading it, but eventually we get it done. And so we've had all that time where we're trying to get out the door, but we're going, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. So my biggest tip, well, two tips, one is, as I said, while you're out to do that five fingers, 10 fingers, however many fingers you want to gratitude, reminding yourself while you're out how much you enjoy it. Because I'm sure once you're out, it's fine. You enjoy it, right? Like every now and then it's too cold. But generally, once you're out, you 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 enjoy it. So making it a really, as I say, that idea of building those pathways through your brain so that your brain is more and more familiar with the idea of I like this, I enjoy it. This is all the things that I notice and being more mindful when you're out. So you're not just in kind of autopilot mode, but you start to notice all the things that give you pleasure. 
And then that means when you're sitting at home going, oh, I'm meant to be going out for a run in a bit, you've got that idea, that mental list of things to come back to so that rather than just focusing on that it's going to be cold, we always pick, our brain will just go to that one thing that we don't like about it as if that is all that happens. And that before you leave the house, you just are fixing on that one or two things, all the negative things. You need to help your brain remember those 10, 20 other positive things that you get out of it and how you feel at the end of it particularly and then it doesn't become such a hard thing. I, I know that this is a cycling advantage um, example, so I apologize, but I normally do a turbo session first thing in the morning on, on the days that I do my cycle training. So I'd be lying in bed. And again, apologies, I have a cat. So the cat would be on the bed <laughs> and the cat would be coming in for a cuddle and going, I want cuddles, I want cuddles. And yeah, it's really cold outside and the, the, the turbo, um, the bike is in a shed. So I have to go through the garden to get there. And I would lie there for about an hour going, I just don't want to go outside. It's so cold. It's so cold. And the, it's all, you know, cozy with the cat in bed. Until I said to myself, stop being such an idiot. It's literally three seconds to walk through the garden. I then have 60 seconds of training that I do genuinely enjoy once I get there. But my brain was so fixated on these kind of three seconds of walking through the garden that I couldn't see to the long term what I want out of it. And once I retrained my brain just to go, this is the whole session. This is what you like. You you have food you like. You listen to a podcast you like when you're there. All these things. Now I get out of bed, the alarm goes off and I go, yes, I'm looking forward to my session and the cat has to sit by himself um but but it's just that helping our brain to to remember what it is we're thinking about and not let it just go down that one negative path that it reinforces for itself time over time um yeah and I mean, then, yeah. we get warm, don't we, when we get out there? So the exactly. cold is... Yeah, you're probably, yeah. if you're honest with yourself, the problem is you're too hot rather than too cold. Yeah. But then, you know, take a bag with you to put some layers in. My biggest thing is I've just got a load of, like, um, sleeves, you know, like knitted sleeves or whatever. So I put them on, but then I can just pull them down so you haven't got all the faff of taking all your layers off and everything when you get too hot. Yeah. But, yeah, and, you know, look at the weather forecast, try and avoid the rainy days, but that's not always possible. But yeah, we make it out in our mind to be so much worse than it is. We know it's not that bad because otherwise we wouldn't do it because we enjoy doing it. I think also if you're, I think planning, as you say, is the, it, for me, it works the most. I don't know about you, Michelle, but I, but well, I know you do this, Michelle, we plan our weeks now yeah. and I, I plan my runs, I plan my canny cross and I plan my strength training um, you have to you have to because you know we're all busy we don't have time just to do it when we feel like it and if we do it tends to be the thing that we don't do when we've done everything else so yeah I mean I write training plans for my clients and it sits in the, the platform that I write it in but I really encourage them to then put it into their own personal diaries and you know work out for a run it's not just that the run is 60 minutes it's going to take me probably half an hour of running around the house trying to find my pair of gloves trying to find the earphones trying to download the podcast I want to listen to you know all the faff that goes with it um, and then I need to have a shower at the end. So realistically, how long do I need to get that run done in rather than just kind of the run itself and make sure I've got time in, and I put it in my diary. And if I can't do it at the time that I plan to do it, I have to then think, when else am I going to do it? We always go, oh, I'll do it you know, tomorrow, another time. No, find the time in your diary where you're going to get it done. And if there isn't another time, then you have that negotiation and say, OK, I didn't have time for the full 60 minutes I planned to do today, but maybe 30 minutes. That's better than nothing. If there's no other time to do it, then, you know, we again, we come back to this perfectionist. I've got to do whatever it is we've decided we're going to do. But if you can't do that, what can you do? Something will be better than nothing, especially if you've got a dog. As you say, you have to take the dog out anyway. Yeah, I think that's crucial, isn't it? It's not looking at it as though we've failed. It's learning to adapt and yeah. you know, do something else instead. Yeah, I think that's completely. Crucial. And just just having that compassionate 
attitude to ourselves. We're so quick to beat ourselves up and criticize ourselves. Again, think, you know, if your best friend was telling you, oh, I didn't have time to do this or whatever, you're not going to say, oh, you idiot, I can't believe you messed all that up. You would talk to them with genuine compassion. So learning to talk to ourselves more kindly, we get more out of ourselves. We think if we whip ourselves harder and harder and harder, we'll get more out of ourselves. But, you know, if you've got children, does that get the most out of them? If you've got colleagues, does that get the most out of them? That's not the way we respond well. We respond well to being nurtured and we need to learn to just be, it sounds so, you know, hippie, compassionate, whatever, but we will get more out of ourselves if we work with ourselves rather than just try and kind of beat ourselves up. Yeah. Have you got any tips, Lucy, for, um, because Louise and I were talking um, about the first 10, 15 minutes when you start Mm. to exercise is often really hard. And that can put a lot of people off from Mm. carrying on and going a bit further and just pushing themselves a little. Have you got any, I mean, obviously a good warm up is crucial in that, but have you got any other kind of mindset tips to help people get over that? And do you mean when you go out the first 10-15 minutes of any yeah, run rather than when you first start training yeah, yeah. just warming up into it yeah. you know we're, yeah. we're getting with the body needs to push blood around to different yeah. parts of the body doesn't it and get yeah. oxygen places so yeah. how can we how can we I mean, like you say, number one, a good warm up. And for me, a warm up is a mobility warm up. So getting all of the body moving as we want it to then move when we get out into the run, getting our, and as you say, getting the blood moving and all of that. So doing a good warm up before we go or once we're out the house, but at the beginning of the run. Um, but beyond that, and then starting off slowly, in my experience, and I appreciate it's probably slightly out of your control if you're with a dog, but all runners run too fast. So my, whenever I'm writing a training plan for somebody, you're either doing a, an easy run or you're doing a run at a certain pace, which might be marathon pace, it might be threshold pace, whatever, but it's a deliberately faster run. Whereas most people run too fast on what should be an easy run. We run as fast as we can to get the run done in the time that we've got available. For me, an easy run, you should be able to breathe through your nose. It should be that slow. It should be easy on your body. So if you're going easier, then probably that that bit at the beginning feels easier. But irrespectively, I know what you mean. I would say it's being prepared for it. It's that same thing of your mind being able to see into the future and remember that it does get better. So yeah, I've gone on so many runs where in the first kind of um, five, 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, I may as well just go home now. This is awful. It's awful. Remembering that you said that exactly the same thing yesterday and the day before and the day before and that it does get better. So being prepared. And as we get older, we do need longer to warm up and we just have to accept that as a fact. So whether it means you you need to do a longer run to then get the nice bit afterwards or you just just accept that the first five, 10 minutes, whatever it is for you, is going to feel harder if you have the option to go downhill a bit or whatever at the beginning but I think it's just remembering helping your brain to remember it does get better and I think that's very true and and at races especially I warm up without the dog so I can start Mm. that warm up at my pace and get myself in the right place because I can run with the dog sort of locally and she'll get the memo sometime that we're going to take it easy (laughs) yeah that doesn't always happen so that's you know it's really important if if you're keen to run especially with your dog and and we are the weakest link in our in our you know our running partnership. Um, we have to put in some some solo runs, and I think a lot of people don't do that. Um, and you know we do need to make time to do that if you're taking it seriously. If you're just going yeah. out for you know a canny cross and and it's just 
joyous for both of you that's absolutely fine because as you said before it's keeping everyone fit and healthy yeah and it's knowing your goals and being fair to yourself so if your goal is to win the race but you haven't done that extra training you say you need to do then you're not being fair to yourself so being fair because we always do that everybody else is faster than me everybody else is better than me but maybe they have done seven times more you know runs than you have that's why they're faster and that's fine if you can't do those extra runs but you can't compare yourself to somebody else without knowing all of the training that they've done or all the recovery because our training it's not the training that gets us fitter it's the recovery so maybe they don't have kids they have way more sleep than you you know whatever yeah and so how long and I know there's probably not a sort of (laughs) Fine answer for this, but how long does it take to to change that mindset? There, there of course, there isn't an answer, a finite answer, and it is one of those piece of string things. It depends. I think it depends how much effort, and I don't effort's not probably the right word. How much focus you put into it. I mean, first of all, in terms of where our mindset comes from, as I said at the beginning, you know, it's social conditioning. It's that cave brain that we've got from, you know, when we lived in caves and it's it's a million other things. And it's childhood, like naught to eight years is one of the things that will have the biggest impact on your mindset. What, you know, what your parents or the people around you, what they said, not necessarily anything that you would see as negative at the time, but just an impression that they started to plant in your mind that has turned into how your mind sees the world now. And if we've had a more traumatic, particularly in that naught to eight years, then we we have got more to change in our brain. So we're not all starting from the same place. I think that's the first thing, because, again, we can beat ourselves up and go, well, why have they managed to change their brain already? You know, everybody's had a different experience that has given them the mindset they have now. But beyond that, it's how much focus we put into it. So I started this process on myself um, about two years ago when I first started on this mental health and exercise course. And I have absolutely changed my relationship with pretty much everything in life, you know, just how I see life. And I just get so much more out of life now by doing some hard work to do that questioning. Why am I thinking these things? But to then unpick them and to come back with a more positive, rational response to them. Um but, but you know, as I say, it takes that time to start questioning why you're seeing things, that, that awareness you're having a negative thought or an unhelpful thought, and then doing some work, which a lot of people do with journaling. I find these days I don't journal so much, but I do do mindful running. So while I'm out on a run, I, you know, use that time to think through my thoughts. Why am I having this fear about something or this negative thought about something? Where's that coming from? Unpick it and then start to think, is there another way of seeing this, um, a more positive, rational way of seeing this? Um, but yeah, so it depends where you're coming from, but then how much focus you put into trying to change it. But, you know, I, I, um, run a master your mindset course and I had somebody on it last year who I can't remember exactly how old he is, but I'd say definitely mid um, seventies. And he'd written to me before going, you know, I'm in my seventies. Is it too late for me to change? And he was one of the people that got the most out of the course in terms of changing how he saw stuff and didn't have to do that much work himself. He just had a very kind of rational brain anyway to put into it. Um, but you know, completely, not completely changed his mind on stuff, but, you know, very much in the course of a sort of 12 week course came out the end of it saying, wow, you know, I can, I can see the difference and I'm seeing, you know, positive changes in, in all different areas of my life. That's amazing. Wow. There's hope for us all, isn't there? There is, there is hope for us all. And, and having that hope is the start point because if we give up and say, oh God, I everybody else can do that, but I can't do that. Yeah. But if we have that hope, then we just have to keep working from there. So you mentioned your course, um, I'm assuming you're still doing them, Mastering Your Mindset. 
I haven't got one running at the moment. I tend to now go into um, like it's the race season in terms of triathlon world. So it's it's full force, you know, just get, getting training plans written. When we still with my clients, I very much work on the mindset as we go through their training plan. So as I say, the focus on their training is is the, the, the fitness side of it. But then also the nutrition and the mindset, all of that has to come together to make sure that they're ready for their races, whatever race it is that they're doing. Um, but I normally then start running the mindset course again towards the end of end of the year okay but um you are running a challenge somewhere i believe yes so i will be so my my social media on instagram or on facebook is at feel fit with lucy um and i will be kicking off a mindset challenge so just some simple things to be thinking about to, to as i say it's that doing it frequently having that focus so starting to fit hear where hear what our thoughts are work out where they're coming from and start to reframe them seeing the more positive side of things so yeah um if you have a look at, at feel fit with lucy i put loads of stuff on there in terms of sort of podcast recommendations as well so if you've liked the stuff i'm saying today and you want to think about it a bit more download one of those podcasts take it out on a run with you or whatever or wherever you like to listen to your podcast washing up's the other one for me um but you know just to sort of hear other people saying similar things to what i've said but in a different way um but yes, if you look at, at Feel Fit with Lucy on Instagram or on Facebook, then I will be putting my my mindset challenge on there next through through February. Brilliant. Have you got anything else you want to ask, Michelle? Um, no, just I mean, what are you what are your top three tips now that our listeners can take away with them today? So <laughs> awareness awareness you have to start from awareness and I, I know I've said it lots of times before but it's worth repeating because it's so easy to see, sit here and go yeah that all makes sense but unless you can catch yourself in the moment of going into that negative mindset or unhelpful mindset it's very hard to unpick it so the first thing is the awareness in fact I'll do the three you said three tips but I'll just do it as the three steps so awareness that there's an issue then to just pause, we have our kind of emotional brain works much faster. Our emotional brain is there to protect us from risk. You know, if there's a bus coming towards us, we jump out the way of the bus before kind of going, oh, I wonder how fast it's moving. Is it going to hit me or not? Should I bother jumping or not? So it does that really fast reaction, but that means the rational brain doesn't have time to kind of get in there. So, so awareness that you're having an unhelpful thought, then the pause, maybe some breathing to calm yourself down. And then just to dissect that thought, think about it in a, say it out loud, because that's when if it's actually a bit silly, we feel a bit silly saying it, but we realize it's silly and we start to answer our own question of that more rational response or journaling, if that helps you to kind of get those thoughts out and then just kind of unpick it. And it depends what it is. But, you know, in your case, Michelle, if you've got nerves about doing a race, just what's the worst that could happen rather than it staying as that scary thing that we don't even think about? We just accept it's scary and we don't go there. We go, actually, what's the worst that can happen? And is it that bad? Um, if we're worried about going out for the run, you know, we're just putting off going out for the run. Actually, what is it I'm worried about? And in my case, it's that, oh, it's cold. And then exactly as you said, Louise, it's not actually cold. It's cold for the first minute and then you actually get too hot. So yes. just actually pick unpicking what that thought is and starting to work it through. Brilliant. Oh, yeah, that's been really helpful. Thank you. Well, I'll definitely be checking out your challenge anyway. <laughs> and I look forward to hearing about when your first race is, Michelle. <laughs> There you go. There's a challenge for both of you. Might challenge, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you so much, um, Lucy, for joining us. And I'm sure our listeners will find this very, very useful. So uh, appreciate it. And we'll put all your links in the show notes. Um, Perfect. When and if they have got any questions, they can contact me on social media or on my website as well. Um, 
um, if you go to my website and the how I can help section, you can book in a 20 minute call on there. So if you want to sort of dissect these issues a bit more, then they can book in a call on that. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you to our sponsor, Get Stronger, Run Faster 5K. It's great for canny crossers and runners to improve their 5K time and keep up with the dogs. And if you get a moment, please leave us a review. We'll see you next time on Canny Cross Conversations.